Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome back to the New Books in Indian Religions podcast, a podcast channel here on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Dr. Raj Balkaran. More importantly, I have the pleasure today of speaking with Dr. Kelzang Tashi, who is a postdoctoral fellow at uh, the South Asian Institute Department of Anthropology at the University of Heidelberg. We'll be speaking about a fascinating new OUP publication. It's actually part of uh, uh, the AAR Religion, the American Academy uh, of Religion, uh, Religion, Culture, and History series, um, brand new OUP 2023 uh, book called World of Worldly Gods. Kelzon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Yes, we're, we're delighted to have you. Um, now, the subtitle of the book is The Persistence and Transformation of Shamanic Bond in Buddhist Bhutan. So perhaps set the stage for us. Um, Actually, before we even get into the stage, tell us how you got interested into this this line of research. Oh, oh yeah, sure. Uh, uh, this book is actually based on my PhD PhD dissertation completed at the Australian uh, National University in 2020. Uh, my initial PhD research topic was something to do with education policy, but uh, after I arrived at the university, I realized that... Uh, uh, I need to make a radical shift, if you will, in my research topic from an uh, education to anthropological one. Uh, this decision was influenced in part uh, by my own background as a Buddhist person born in the region where uh, born religious beliefs and practices are quite strong. Uh, and also uh, as a person uh, uh, born in a family with a long line of small hereditary lamas. So in fact, uh, uh, we are the only family in the village that who does not uh, resort to any sorts of born rituals during uh, spiritual crisis or during the event that requires uh, spiritual in- intervention. But uh, I was well aware of the born religious practices and beliefs in the village and had uh, many opportunities to attend born rituals, such as like the annual proficiation of local deities and uh, beliefs. So, so in this sense, I was kind of exposed to Buddhist opposition to born uh, uh, born beliefs and practices because of the error, <clears throat> because because the born is because the born religious uh, practices characterized by shamanistic beliefs, shamanistic and animistic beliefs, and has been looked down on by uh, Buddhism uh, by Buddhists uh, since the eighth century, because of primarily because of their uh, uh, animal sacrifice and the in, uh, and the alleged association with the black magic rituals, so which are in fact against the core Buddhist values, and and, and born is said to be requiring religious upgrading to Buddhism. So in that sense, I became really interested in the exploration of the relationship between Bon and Buddhism. But uh, my interest in that, uh, in this theme, 
was also further deepened by my own education and, and also the readings of uh, the works by Tibetologists uh, who, who works in the region and, and were written mainly through the Buddhist perspectives. So, <clears throat> so in this sense, uh, as you know, despite many centuries of Buddhist opposition, including the ongoing censure today, so I was I became really interested in studying why uh, people continue to practice and engage with uh, own rituals while still recognizing what they are using, uh, what they are doing is really antithetical to the core uh, Buddhist values or to the civilizing mission of the Buddhist masters from Tibet and also, of course, from the uh, Bhutanese state, which made uh, Drupakaju school a branch of Tibetan Buddhist school as, as its uh, a state religion in the 17th century. Fascinating. So, um, so I, I, I've joked on the podcast a couple of times that the podcast is very much about public education and contrary to what that might mean, typically it's really about my own education in public. <laughs> so I'll be educated on this topic as you're speaking to me. I, I quite enjoyed reading the book, but I've, uh, FYI, I asked purposely naive questions just to prompt some, some general takeaways. So tell me about, um, so are people in Bhutan typically either Bon or Buddhist? Is it a mutually exclusive category? Are, you know, how do, uh, do, do folks identify as both? Could you tell us a bit about that? Uh, actually, it is not really mutually exclusive uh, a religious practice because uh, Bhutanese people can uh, be Bon and Buddhism at the same time. I mean, uh, people identify as Buddhist, but uh, there is no problem in 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 celebrating or in conducting or in performing bone rituals. So, but but there are I mean, uh, but in terms of the uh, uh, Buddhist lamas, Buddhist priests and bone priests, they are kind of mutually uh, uh, exclusive entities because they do not really participate in each other's uh, rituals or 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 attend, I mean, share the ritual altar, for, for instance, and uh, never mind, uh, you know, just eating one another's offerings. <laughs> but uh, in the case of general public, uh, there is no, no, I mean, people, uh, people consider themselves as Buddhists, but there is no restriction as such. I mean, they only refrain from attending bon rituals or, you know, bon uh, festivals. So, so, so people don't see any problem in, you know, attending either of the rituals. So, although, but it's important to note that uh, people identify themselves as Buddhists. Yes. Uh, another probably running joke on the podcast is, you know, when dealing with South Asia, <laughs> when, when, the, when the question is, is it A or is it B? The answer is yes. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's both. Um, so, so clearly there would be a distinction among the religious uh uh, the, the priests or the practitioners, not the practitioners, the um, the specialists. So certainly, yes. bond priests and Buddhist priests, there would be sort of a division of labor or um, uh, sort of segregation. But among the the among the the people who are <laughs> practitioners, do they have a sense that there's a tension between their Buddhist practices and their bond practices, or do they see them as integrated in some way? Uh... Yes, they do. I mean, uh, people do see the uh, tensions between uh, the Buddhist, Buddhist and Bon uh, uh, ideologies, because obviously Bon is, I mean, uh, characterized by, you know, shamanistic and animistic uh, worldview in which, you know, the upper world is, uh, I mean, characterized by tri tripartite division in which there is the upper world of gods and the middle world of uh, uh, 
uh, terrestrial beings and the uh, and the lower world of uh, serpent beings, and and these beings are worldly deities. They are not enlightened uh, uh, Buddhas, you know, as in Buddhism. So 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 they definitely see the tension. I mean, tension between the Buddhism and Bon uh, ideologies, you know. But uh, but like I said before, uh, they don't they don't they don't have problem in attending each other's religion, you know. So but. But on the other hand, there, there's also a lot of syncretism between Buddhism and Bon because a uh, lot of uh, local deities, which are originally Bon deities, has, have been uh, incorporated into a Buddhist pantheon. And now they are kind of celebrated, I mean, propitiated. Uh, the rituals are performed by Buddhist priests rather than Bon priests. So there is also kind of a syncretism going on. But uh, these deities are most uh, uh, commonly proficiated by both the priests. I mean, uh, I mean, they, they, they get, I mean, two kind of offerings, one from Buddhist priests and the other from Bon uh, priests. <laughs> what does your, I'll ask you two questions at the same time, you can answer them in whatever order you'd like. What does your book show? What is the main um, uh, argument of the book? And uh, the ancillary question is, why is it called World of Worldly Gods? Oh yeah, uh, uh, I have chosen that topic because uh, that title, the world, 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 worldly gods, because uh, the bone pantheon, as I mentioned before, the the their deities and their pantheon are comprised of worldly deities who are not considered as an enlightened being. I mean, most of them, um, every, all of the born deities are not considered enlightened beings. They, they, they are not enlightened. They are worldly. They, are, they pertain to worldly uh, uh, orientations, rather in contrast to Buddhist uh, Buddhas who are transcendental, who are, uh, I mean, and, 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 and Buddhist, I mean, uh, Buddha, Buddhism is all about uh, the transcendental future of going, taking a higher rebirth, and it's all about otherworldly. It's all about the future after the death, uh, where you, I mean, uh, the, 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 the life of our future, right? So, uh, but in the case of Bon, it is about the pragmatic, about the present day, uh, about the life here and now. So that's why uh, I have chosen the topic as <laughs> the, uh, I mean, uh, worlds of, uh, you know, worldly, worldly gods. Yeah. Would you say that? So, so then, um, what is the central argument of the book? Oh yeah, the, the essential argument of, of the book is the persistence. Uh, uh, Bon is very much active, and uh, and and uh, Bon is uh, perpetuated. Not Bon believes are perpetuated not only by the born priest themselves, but also by the B Buddhist priest, I mean, the lay Buddhist priest uh, in the villages that are uh, a form of Buddhism, which, which we can call it as a village Buddhism, which is, which is an assemblage of uh, born beliefs and also the pure Buddhism. So it's kind of a mixture of these two. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, a uh, lot of uh, local bone pantheon has been incorporated into Buddhist pantheon. And these are kind of, uh, you know, propitiated by both, both the priests from two different religious tradition. So, so, the, so the main argument is that, uh, I mean, 
although Buddhist people identify themselves as Buddhists, this does not make them, uh, you know, uh, non-believers in Bon. So, 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 so it is mainly this is mainly mainly because of the village Buddhism in which you know uh, the idea of village Buddhism, which actually activates Bonpo's shamanic worldview, even though they present themselves as antagonistic to Bon practices and Bonpo's themselves. Now, there's some fascinating implications there um, regarding uh, religious identity and mutual exclusivity and the extent to which whether you know um you know are there certain traditions or places in the world where one can identify religiously in various ways and it's sort of understood you know perhaps there's a division of labor you know buddhist practices and and ideologies are useful for certain kinds of things in life and bond practices and ideologies are perhaps useful for other sorts of things in life uh, so I, f- I find that that fascinating. Would you say that the persistence and the thriving of bond practices is attributed to this worldliness? Is it the worldliness? Is this why that there's still such a draw and a need for these practices? Um, I, I think the main, I mean, uh, the reason is obviously manifold and complex. But but the one thing is there uh, is the is the is 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 the village, I mean, the remoteness of the village and small population so that official Buddhist institution was actually established in the area around the mid uh, 20th century, you know, but these people have been well aware of Buddhism for centuries because, I mean, through their contact with uh, uh, Buddhist masters from other areas and other regions who comes to who come to their village to perform annual rituals, you know. And uh, in, in addition to the recency of Buddhism, it's also the weak Buddhist presence. Actually, there are only a handful of uh, lay Buddhist practitioners who are who are part timers. You know, except for the chief lay Buddhist, rest most of rest of them are actually part timers. So, so this uh, this 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 priest. I mean, this uh, uh, Buddhist uh, practice. Buddhist chopas, what we call, we call it chopas or, you know, lay Buddhist priests, they are qualified in pragmatic aspects of Buddhism. So, because none of them has undergone a, a sustained solitary retreat or a formal study or training at a higher scholastic institution. So in this sense, uh, Bon is more relevant to villages, everyday concerns and local problem. It, they are viable, they are more accessible than Buddhist uh, uh, priests and also quite expensive. So, so and in, in some cases, uh, there are actually no parallel, parallel Buddhist rituals and, and or, or, or lay Buddhist expert in the village uh, that, that I mean, in order to deal with the particular illness believed to be caused by particular supernatural beings who are actually untamed by Buddhist masters. So in this sense, uh, they are kind, uh, I mean, I think the worldliness actually comes to play. So yeah, in, in, uh, uh, in relation to the relevance of, yeah, the bone, uh, bone practices to people. Yeah. Tell, tell us a bit about your research uh, process, about your interviews. Who did you interview? What did that look like? Oh, yeah. Uh, I spent uh, one year conducting fieldwork in the uh, central part of Bhutan. Uh, and uh, uh, I observed, I mean, 
my book is kind of an ethnography, largely ethnographic in nature. So I observed almost all the rituals that I have described in my book. And also I have int uh, interviewed both the Bon priest as well as uh, the Buddhist priest, primarily the uh, chief Buddhist priest uh, of the village. So uh, I haven't encountered any problems or while you know conducting rituals, because mainly I'm I myself is a Buddhist. So, but at the same time, I was I was also very friendly with Bonpo priests, and I spent most of my time with actually Bonpo priests. So I haven't really uh, experienced you know I mean any obstacles uh, in getting informations that I was seeking for. So. So yeah, uh, it, certainly because of your position, your uh, your position affords um, access uh, to these circuits. Uh, did you were there set questions that you would ask? Or was it more of an organic process? What were the interviews like? Uh, I didn't really have you know. Uh, structured questions it's just kind of uh, based on you know generated i mean so but the but the major part of my method was a participant observation in which i myself participated in the activities in the rituals including like you know for instance for instance uh, there is there is an annual bone ritual which is a three day festival so i i i i really participated in the in the in the annual ritual program uh, for three days, and uh, as well as I mean, it's not just idly uh, observing the ritual. <laughs> I actually participated uh, in, with, with ritually ritualist ritual specialists, you know. <laughs> so, so in this sense, uh, uh, I think yeah, uh, it was a really interesting I mean uh, experience for me. Even though I was from that part of the region, I never had opportunity to uh, 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 attend this level of, uh, of, of, of uh, annual ritual because in that village, it is really, really, I mean, bone belief is quite, quite strong, really strong, yeah. What surprised you about this research? One thing, I, I, was, I was expecting that uh, bone beliefs is kind of in decline because some of these researchers has argued that uh, bone is kind of declining in Bhutan. So I was also quite uh, uh, worried that bone rituals might be really uh, declining in the villages, you know? So, but <laughs> when I arrived in the village, I mean, bone beliefs are not really declining. It, it is quite strong. I mean, still is strong. And in addition to uh, 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 the bone pose, a handful of bonbos. There are also, you know, village Buddhist lay chopas, Buddhist priests, who are also very much attracted to bone beliefs. You know, by like like I mentioned before, like uh, through incorporation of uh, local bone deities into Buddhist pantheon. And in this sense, bone beliefs are very much alive through their syncretic rituals. Uh, I mean. Their uh, intention is somewhat uh, 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 to to control the bonpo priests rather than bone beliefs. So this was quite surprising for me because I thought that maybe uh, some of the bone beliefs, uh, bone rituals are are really in decline. Uh, you know, 
are really uh, declining, but uh, but it wasn't really de declining in actuality. Yeah. Fascinating. Do you want to say a word about how the book is structured? Well, yes. Uh, like uh, like any any other social science books, uh, I problematize the, the relationship between born and uh, Buddhism in the introduction and also provide uh, the overview of uh, historical relationship between born and Buddhism from the 8th century to down to the present day. And uh, in chapter two, I describe uh, the basic social organization uh, uh, and present, you know, uh, 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 the residual uh, feudal elements in local structure that relates to the distinction of uh, four key patrilineal groups and the system of matrilineal inheritance practice and uh, matrilocal uh, pattern of re residence. And then I also uh, talk about the motivation for the founding of two Buddhist temple. The first one was actually built in 1960s. So I, I talk about the motivation and why, why, why was in the first place uh, no Buddhist temple in Goling? And, and, and then why, why was it built in, in the 1960s? And why was it built another one after 19, 19, uh, 1960s? So in chapter three, I provide uh, uh, ethnographic insights into, into the complex local cosmology and or the local pantheon and describes, you know, uh, people's shamanic worldview. And also I talk about uh, people's belief in, uh, belief in, you know, soul loss, the idea of soul loss and the centrality of five life elements, which, which are considered as the foundation of successful life. So these five life elements are actually uh, vital power, which I call it is vital power because it's very important for the vitality of the person. And the second one is economy or prosperity power, which is responsible for amassing wealth and economy. And the next one is physical or somatic power, which is very important to maintain the, uh, a healthy body. And then uh, the other one is wish fulfilling power, a power, which is also, I mean, very important, in fact, in, you know, uh, in realizing one's dreams or goals. And the last one is, of course, soul or psychological power, which act, operates in a very similar fashion, like vital power. Then I think, uh, then I, in chapter four, I discuss about, uh, I talk, I describe a lot of rituals and the ways in which how people deal with the threats to their everyday life, health, and welfare. Uh, I also talk about the family and individual concerns, uh, like, you know, uh, in relation to these life elements, which are always in flux. It, it is highly mobile and it's highly volatile. It can rise and fall sharply and uh, it can be predated by these meddlesome uh, autochthonous beings. And, 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 and in this sense, I mean, Bonpo's ritual are, are very much uh, relevant. And I mean, this kind of rituals are actually the province of Bon Priest. So in, uh, then in chapter five, uh, I, I look at the tensions between the local practice and the mission, missionizing Buddhism and state intervention to in Bon practice, especially the appointment of official Bonpo in villages. So uh, it is actually centered on Bon practitioners 
And also I discuss about their recruitment and shamanic training, their ritual dancing and trance and the techniques for appeasing supernatural beings or retrieving that abducted souls. Then the next chapter, in chapter six, I provide, uh, you know, the uh, an exegesis of the biggest annual rite, which is known as Rup, in which uh, a primordial uh, born God called Odegongil is invited from his heaven from uh, heaven above uh, 13 Skyrim to the village, primarily to gain the God's blessings of prosperity, including uh, the fertility of crops and livestock and the vitality and fecundity of humans. And also I present the negative consequences of there being an official bonpo and discuss discusses complications uh, the unofficial bonpos face at the village label. And then in chapter seven, I focus on uh, the fear of pernicious gossip, which is an enormous concern in villages. And it provides a detailed ethnographic uh, uh, study of phallic proficiation that are central to avoiding the effects of widespread pernicious gossip in the village and ensuring uh, prosperity. And in chapter eight, uh, I, I, in I investigate the extent of Buddhist accommodation of born beliefs in the in the context of naming tradition and syncretic rituals by the lay Buddhist priests. And also I focus on incorporation of deities and rituals as a common method to suppress, if not eliminate, eliminate born priests rather than born uh, beliefs. And finally, uh, in the next, the second uh, last chapter, in the second last chapter, I reflect on the relationship between uh, Buddhism and shamanic bond, and also Buddhism and clerical bond. And I discuss religious syncretism in the context of creating a literal tradition by relating the findings to wider, uh, you know, anthropological literature. And of course, in the conclusion, I highlight the findings of this study on why and how uh, bond has survived despite uh, many centuries of dominant Buddhist structure. Yeah. So let's just underscore once more what's the why? What would you say is the main why that Bon has survived despite centuries of Buddhist missionizing? Yeah, I mean, in the village, the main one of the main reason is uh, their remoteness, uh, and, and and their small population. I mean, this village, I mean, the the, the district where I worked is very much kind of considered as remote. And, and there is also very uh, fairly uh, less development taking place in the region. So it is actually, I mean, even if, you know, Buddhist priests, even if Buddhist priests, for instance, if a Buddhist priest from Tibet visits Bhutan, it would just bypass this district and go to another district. So it's actually, uh, you know, uh, the remoteness of the village itself and as well as the small population. And in fact, they uh, were able to construct their own village temple only in the uh, mid 20th century. Although, I mean, they were, they were, I mean, much uh, well aware of the Buddhist practices through, as I mentioned earlier, through contacts with, uh, you know, various Buddhist masters from other districts, you know, who would come to their village to perform annual rituals. Yeah. So, and. And another thing, the another important reason is, in addition to recency, is the weak Buddhist presence. I mean, there are, right now there are only a handful of lay Buddhist chopas, and who are not really, uh, you know, qualified in pure Buddhism. 
in the sense that they haven't gone under they haven't undergone you know uh, a proper training at uh, Buddhist institutions. They are lay Buddhist monks, part timers. You know, uh, during the off ritual season, they they are pure farmers. So, so I think these are the main reasons uh, why Buddhist, I mean, Bon has persisted in the village for for many years of centuries. You say a bit about what it's like being both a scholar and a practitioner of a particular area. Um, is it, uh, are there challenges? Are there boons? You know, what's it like having that dual citizenship uh, to speak figuratively? Uh, like I said, I mean, uh, I we are the only family in the uh, village who do not research. I mean, my village and the village where I conducted my research is different. But uh, we, are the, we, are, we are the only family in my village who do not uh, resort to any sorts of uh, bone rituals. But I really became, you know, uh, really interested uh, in, in studying the relationship between bone and Buddhism because I heard about the Buddhist negative stereotypes of bone right from my childhood. And uh, it was, uh, it, it really uh, it provoked me to, you know, uh, to, to do something. I mean, maybe to, to, to just conduct a small research or some, not, not a PhD dissertation or something like that of, of that nature. But, uh, 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 but in terms of your question as a, as a scholar and also a native person from that region, uh, the, 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 I found it uh, quite, uh, 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 I mean, uh, uh, my, because of my identity, I found it quite easy to uh, immerse myself uh, within the village uh, because uh, if I was a foreigner, it would be really difficult, for instance, I mean, in, in the first place, it would be very difficult to get a research permit. And, uh, you know, in, 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 and secondly, I have to learn a language. And since we speak a same language, I didn't have really any problems. So I was uh, really, it was really, really, uh, you know, I, 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 because of my, you know, uh, the language capacity, it was really for, easy for me to immerse myself to the, uh, in the village. Yeah. Mm. So, so certainly linguistically and culturally, um, there was great access and ease with which to conduct your research. Um, were there times, uh, just out of curiosity, where um, one switches between scholar mode versus practitioner mode in terms of, you know, intellectual understanding versus the life of practice or spiritual beliefs? Did you find the need to switch at times or change lanes? Um, I'm not sure about this because I'm, I myself is not really a practitioner of, uh, you know, born. Uh, born Got is, it. I'm aware of the born religious practice, but uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I really don't. I mean, engage in born ritual as 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 the people in the village do. So, so, so yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of so it's difficult. easy. Yeah. No, it's it's. But these are just questions that are meant to be generative and you know give folks a bit of insight into what it's like conducting research and. It's interesting in that, in some sense, you're a scholar practitioner, and yet you're studying um, a tradition that's related and connected, but separate from the tradition that you're from. So it really is interesting. So one wonders whether or not 
certainly your upbringing and your um, your exposure would have afforded knowledge of the attitudes, the Buddhist attitudes towards Bon. And I find it interesting that even, uh, as you say, from a young age, you sort of have this, this, this scholarly critique of, wait a minute, how do we know this to be true? You know, you, you know, what were some of the, what was that like? Tell us some of the, the beliefs that you found dubious, that you found the provoked a response in you. What was that like for you? Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, when from my uh, early on, I, I I had stories about the competition between Buddhist masters and bone priests, and how bone priests were kind of you know looked down on, and how they lost uh, in the competition, and then they were kind of uh, uh, prohibited from uh, you know. Uh, performing their rituals in, in 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 many parts of you know Himalayan region or even in Tibet, so 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 this kind of I mean and also my own brother is uh, a Buddhist monk, and uh, you know I I, I and, and I used to learn a lot about the Buddhist conception of bone beliefs, and also from my own parents, so which are all not really you know uh, positive. Um, which are really Buddhist, I mean, in, in general, Buddhist view born in negative light. So, so I thought that, you know, at, yeah, like, like, like you said, I mean, it may, it may not have been a scholarly, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, thought at, during, at that time, but I, I still had some kind of, you know, you know, feeling in me, deep within inside me that uh, one day I, I, I just, Kind of want to you know uh, try to you know study the relationship between between bone and uh, you know uh, Buddhism and how how it really operates on the ground uh, or is it uh, you know really the same as uh, recounted by Buddhist masters or is it really different? So so these are some of the you know not I mean general kind of uh, thinking that I had. Yeah, while while oh, that's fascinating, it's fascinating. Um, is this work that you hope to continue? What's what's next for you? What are you working on now? Uh, I think in, I mean my I'm working on several uh, kind of projects, but uh, some of them are related to the bone beliefs and bone pantheon. I mean, in terms of the shamanic beliefs and animistic, you know, practices in Bhutan. Like uh, one of the projects that I'm, that I'm currently working on is on how, you know, uh, I focus on subterranean beings. I mean, not subterranean beings, serpent beings. Uh, how serpent beings is, you know, uh, uh, the world of serpent, subterranean world, uh, the world of subterranean beings overlap in some ways with economic relation and tensions of human on the surface. So uh, this subterranean beings in Bhutan is, I mean, we call it Lu, which is uh, Naga in Hindu, Hindu mythology, right? So, so they are considered as the owners of the land and they're considered to be very rich beings, you know? So so there is kind of a subsurface, cosmologically subsurface centric perspective, you know, 
in which uh, I mean this this kind of perspective is very strong in Bhutan. So this cosmologically subsurface uh, subsurface centric. Uh, perspective characterized by immateriality of these non-human beings rather than uh, the materialities or corporealities of natural objects. Uh, you know, how, how, how this subsurface-centric perspective actually translates into the production of, you know, small-scale, unintended uh, environmental consequences, you know. So, so these subterranean beings are really, really, in the first place, they are really connected to wealth and economy in the village. And secondly, they are very much associated with the uh, uh, production of uh, uh, positive environmental consequences. But my, my, uh, my major project that I'm currently working on is actually on, uh, you know, how on, on, on matrilineal practices in Bhutan. So it's totally uh really not connected with the bond beliefs or practice so I'm, I'm kind of focused more on the kinship system and uh the decline of matrilineal uh social arrangement in bhutan uh, you know due to the recent uh uh introduction of new legislations which provide equal rights for uh sons and daughters so so i think the, my major project is not really linked to uh bond you know, this shamanic and animistic uh, practices. But I'm also working on some other minor projects that are related to this subject. So I, I hope to continue in future too, yeah. Well, either or, um, whatever project uh, next gets published as a book, you are more than welcome to return to the podcast and discuss it. Well, thank um, you, thank you. Was there anything else about the book that you wanted to touch on before we close for today? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think, uh, the main, as I mentioned, uh, earlier, the main takeaways of the book is, uh, the fact that village people, I mean, the people in the village, though they present themselves as Buddhists, they, this does not make them, uh, you know, non-believers are born, but I also, you know, uh, want to, you know, I mean, I also hope that, I mean, I hope that, uh, you know, that this book will kind of inspire and provoke thought among uh, academic community in, in terms in relation to the relationship between born in Buddhism and, and, and in turn spark, you know, conversation around the idea of cultural persistence and change and ritual syncretism. But at the pragmatic, more pragmatic label, uh, I also hope that this research will translate into kind of a, uh, advocacy activities uh, that will promote kind of religious har harmony and create uh, aware awareness about the utility of bond rituals by you know demonstrating uh, their complexity and relevance in today's world, as well as the fact that uh, no religious practice is primitive today because bond has been looked down on by Buddhists as kind of a primitive and backward uh, religious practice. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, fascinating. There's an idea I return to over and over again when, well, when really studying and thinking about religion, and um, particularly in the modern world, actually, this this it seems to me a conceit that we think that certain practices are primitive or that ancient peoples did, or uh, it seems to me that. Um, cultures and peoples and individuals are able to switch between 
a, a ritual mentality versus a pragmatic mentality. It's not that certain people do practical things and certain people do ritual things uh, or quote unquote superstitious things necessarily. So it seems to me that so many, many practices have survived the modern world and will continue uh, as this monograph evidences because they're fulfilling needs in people that aren't what we perceive of as practical needs. It's not that, okay, um, we're developed now so we can dispense with uh, spirituality or ritual or beliefs. Sometimes quite the contrary, I feel. So fascinating work. Thank you. I learned a great deal um, from looking at your book about an area of the world that I would you know, would otherwise have known very little or next to nothing about. So thank you very much for appearing on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> for those listening, we have been speaking, of course, with Dr. Kazong Tashi on this uh, brand new uh, AAR Religion, Culture and History OUP publication, World of Worldly Gods. Until next time, keep well, keep listening, keep reading, and keep contemplating uh, religious syncretism, among other things. Take care.